Greater Manchester will move into England's highest tier of COVID-19 restrictions from one minute past midnight on Friday, the Prime Minister has announced. Boris Johnson's government had been in talks with the Mayor of Greater Manchester for the last week, with Andy Burnham insisting that substantial funds were needed in order to prevent poverty, homelessness and hardship in the region. Today's announcement came against the wishes of local leaders in Manchester, with Burnham insisting that the government had walked out of talks. The Mayor of Greater Manchester accused the government of treating the negotiations like a game after it emerged that the Johnson administration had considered not providing the additional £60 million of funding it had previously offered. Amid these unprecedented circumstances, I messaged Zach to see if he'd be willing to join me for a snap episode of Midfield Politics. He said yes. This episode was recorded at half past six on Tuesday the 20th of October. To introduce you to today's events, allow me to play a clip of the moment Andy Burnham heard the government's announcement. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's going to come into effect on Friday. Uh, at one minute past midnight on Friday, this is what's been said to MPs. It's going to be £20 million only, and they are going to try and pick off individual councils. I mean, it's, it's brutal, to be honest, isn't it? What, this isn't a way... This is no way to run the country in a national crisis. It isn't. This is not right. They should not be doing this, grinding people down, trying to accept the least that they can get away with. £22 million to fight the situation that we are in is, is frankly, disgraceful. Welcome back to the Midfield Politics podcast. My name is Luke James, and I'm joined across the dispatch box by Zach green as i mentioned in the introduction to this show we're going to be talking about the government's decision to move greater manchester into tier three of england's covid19 restriction zach first of all what was your immediate reaction to andy burnham's kind of reaction for one of a better word <laughs> the reaction to the reaction um i think it was human reaction actually and um, the one thing i think we said in the podcast earlier last week was that Andy Burnham has kind of been like the angel of the north has been fighting Manchester's corner so bravely and quite um quite valiantly and the, re- the reaction today just kind of symbolizes not just his frustration but I think a normal person in Manchester's views towards this government that they've been treated with none other than contempt and you, you heard like the boos there as well from actual people and it's a crisis that the government are losing control of very quickly and it's a crisis that could spill over across the country. It's been quite a remarkable day, hasn't it, in many respects? Um, yeah, so the government set this deadline of saying, well, Manchester have to agree to the terms, have to come to an agreement by lunchtime. It then became clear that Manchester hadn't come to an agreement by lunchtime, at which point everyone kind of stood there and scratched their heads and said, well, what comes next? Surely we can't have an Australian style deal with with kind of <laughs> a region in the United Kingdom. But apparently that was the case. And then this evening at around five o'clock, the Prime Minister spoke at a Downing Street press conference. This is kind of from the conference and it is a question from the BBC Deputy Political Editor, Vicky Young. 
What are you offering to the area beyond that? Are you withdrawing the extra, what you called generous offer? Is that now off the table? And what do you say to the mayor of Greater Manchester, who has accused you of grinding down communities through these negotiations? Uh, well, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Vicky. Uh, look, I, I bitterly uh, regret uh, any uh, restrictions that lead to damage to uh, businesses and to people's lives. Of course I do. And no nobody wants to uh, be uh, putting people in Greater Manchester or, or anywhere through these uh, through the, the experience that they've, they've been through. And, and, and frankly, Andy uh, Burnham is, is right in what he says about the, the length of, of the uh, endurance that uh, Greater Manchester has, has shown. And, the, and, the, and uh, I've, I've simply got to, to look at the, uh, the, the data, the, uh, the uh, alas, the number of deaths, the hospital uh, admissions, and, and, and we have to act. And, of course, the, the package that uh, I described, the 22 million uh, of, uh, uh, that I, I described, that's additional to other support. Um, you know, we're, we're always happy to uh, continue to uh, consider that. But then uh, don't forget, Vicky, that this is a, a government that has uh, put uh, £190 billion pounds, uh, already in uh, supporting uh, businesses and jobs, uh, livelihoods across the, across the country. Uh, we are uh, investing uh, huge sums to uh, support local authorities and another a billion pounds uh, as I said, and Greater Manchester will have access to uh, all kinds of funds, particularly to help with uh, testing uh, and, and tracing uh, and, uh, and, and, of course, uh, with enforcement. So um, the funds are there. Uh, they're, they're massive. Uh, and um, what we couldn't do, uh, I hope people understand, was do a deal with Greater Manchester that really would have been uh, out of kilter with the uh, the agreements we'd already reached with with Merseyside and and with Lancashire, uh, that was the that was the, the the problem. So Zach, we've heard from the Prime Minister there. He was speaking in Number Ten this evening. What did you make of the Prime Minister's remarks? Uh, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? Um, Boris, it's the thing that's kind of defined Boris Johnson's premiership so far. He'll say one thing in a very confused and very blustering manner. He'll then try and say it again. And then moments after, he'll get a Downing Street source to brief the media that he actually said the opposite of what he just said. And then number 10 confirms that he actually said the opposite of what he said again. Um, it kind of just plays into this idea that you can't trust the prime minister with his word and you can't trust the government with this word. We've seen this kind of permeate into negotiations with the European Union. And it just kind of hits home that he's negotiating with his own within his own country and he can't be trusted with what he says as well. It's been a really, really long day for Boris Johnson because they would have they've had a week of a week's worth of talks with Greater Manchester about whether or not they can go into tier three, what kind of additional funds they'd need to be able to to, to facilitate that. And they've got to the point where Andy Burnham has, has laid out a very clear message of what he expected kind of levelled out the extent to which he would go below his expectations and the talks have still fallen apart and again Andy Burnham said this afternoon that it was Boris Johnson's team who walked away from the negotiations no one from the government no senior kind of Tory figures have tried to deny that claim so we can only assume that it's true and again it's just 
quite something, isn't it, that the government has set this arbitrary kind of deadline on, on coming to a deal with Manchester. The deadline has elapsed, and and for a while today, it seemed like they was going to go through with giving Manchester absolutely nothing in addition to what they would otherwise expect. And of course, in, in the clip that we just played from the press conference, Boris Johnson spoke about how the government had provided, I think it was £190 billion worth of funding across the whole UK for all the funds, all of the schemes throughout throughout the coronavirus pandemic. And of course, that is an undisputable fact. Of course, the government has provided support to lots and lots of people myself included throughout this pandemic but that that wasn't the question that that vicky young asked nor the one that that people in manchester will be thinking about this evening because we now have a situation where a democratically elected mayor of manchester is saying we need his initial suggestion was 90 million pounds to keep to keep the kind of region going through through the end of the calendar year and the government turned around and giving potentially as low as 22 million which is is honestly surreal and spectacular. So th- there's just so much to unpack here. How do you rate the government's handling of this? And how do you think it will go down, not only in Manchester, but across the country? I think the Manchester lot, the, the supposed imposition of tier three is kind of foreshadowing what, be, what could be happening for localities across the country. That's kind of what people are, are seeing the Manchester lockdown as. And this was the opportunity for the government to say that they are well on top of this crisis, the tier system the Prime Minister is putting so much faith into it for, and it's fallen apart at the seams. And the government may very well give back or give the 60s to 65 million. We don't know what will happen, but we know the government's track record when it comes to U-turns. But it's just quite damaging. And I feel like, again, when Andy Burnham was giving his press conference and you had just people kind of on the fringes, kind of booing and kind of gesticulating over the government, I don't think this will be received that well. I feel like this is definitely cut through because I think... You see, local, I think local journalists have a really big part to play in covering this kind of story, because I think when you're hearing national newspapers kind of give a comment on it, I think you can get kind of lost in what they're saying. Whereas you have local journalists such as the Manchester Evening News, for example, uh, report this very well and actually report the local reactions and kind of the human reactions to this, that as a result of the government's inadequate response, jobs will be lost, businesses will be shut down inevitably. And the real effect of that is going to be felt. And I think the government are so out of touch with this that this doesn't bode well for any future lockdown in another region or a potential circuit breaker that could come very imminently. I think later in the podcast, we'll talk about what we think will happen next. Um, I'm not sure I've spoken about this publicly previously. Um, before we get into that and before we get into kind of Andy Burnham's handling of, of the crisis, it's important to note that the coronavirus figures for the 20th of October at the time of recording have been released. Um, There were 241 new COVID-19 deaths in the United Kingdom today. There are also 21,331 new cases of the coronavirus. This also includes 860 new hospital admissions. And again, if you look at the 14-day trends for, for deaths, total cases and hospital admissions, each of those segments are on the rise. I think as well, it's important to note that 21,331 cases is the highest kind of authentic number of cases. Of course, we had we had a higher figure, I think, I think getting on towards two weeks ago, but that was because of the government's mishandling of some of the statistics. There is just, I feel like we are approaching 
a monumental moment in both our politics and the way that the the government has handled this crisis. And I think the clip that we played at the top of the show of kind of Andy Burnham reacting to the news that tier three A would be implemented and B that there was the possibility the government would only provide 22 million pounds of funding. Um, that clip will be emblazoned across kind of rolling news, news coverage over the next couple of days. It will, it will undoubtedly be on the front pages of, of all the newspapers, local and national over the next couple of days. And I think this is a really damaging episode for the government not only because it, for for a time this afternoon, looked like they were going to kind of, kind of take Manchester out from the knees. Um, that is bad enough in itself. But the connotations mm. that this battle was had are much much more damaging than the thing that the government has actually done, or was oh, or was considering doing. Because you have a situation where it, you take one scroll through social media and you see people of both kind of political kind of allegiances saying, well, this is very much like what kind of we saw with Liverpool and Margaret Thatcher a a couple of decades ago. And again, (laughs) even by association, that is absolutely terrible for a government that has claimed that it would level up the North. I mean, it, it really, it really is problematic for the government on so, so many levels. And again, Andy Burnham, in my view, has, has dealt with this crisis quite impressively if i'm being totally honest some some new kind of stories have developed since we started recording the podcast the mayor of doncaster is also fighting off her town going into tier three of lockdown um doncaster is currently subject to tier two restrictions in line with this with the rest of south yorkshire but the infection rate in doncaster this week was the lowest of the areas for metropolitan boroughs at 277 cases per 100,000 people. Even Doncaster, which is comparatively on the lower end of the spectrum in Yorkshire, looking at potentially going into tier three in the not-so-distant future. What happens next, Zach, with regards to the the Westminster handling of this? Because today has been chaotic as we said at the press conference it seemed that boris johnson was willing to go through with the 22 million pounds figure immediately afterwards laura kunzberg and many other kind of journalists in the westminster bubble swiftly tweeted that the prime minister kind of the 60 million pounds offer was still on the table what is what's what's the next steps to the government here I feel the government now have until probably Friday when the lockdown does begin. Uh, and Matt Hancock just said in the Commons that that offer is still on the table. I expect that they'll be negotiating intensively now in the next couple of days. Now they've seen the immense backlash from this. But like we said at the top of the podcast, it's not about the final result. I think it's about the process that they've got there. The questions are going to be asked, hopefully by Keir Starmer, leader of the opposition, about the government's handling of this, that why has it taken such an adverse backlash to inevitably give the money that was needed at the first place? Now, we can debate whether 60 million is enough or not. It's likely that it won't be. But the 60 million is a much better figure than the 22 million, right? And I believe that the government will cave in eventually because this is a very weak-willed government. Uh, This is a government that kind of negotiates in bad faith but then once it sees the backlash from it it will be forced into negotiating in good faith and going ahead of next week so once manchester is in tier three 
I feel like Manchester will be the kind of guinea pig because it's the first major, major city. Uh, you can count Liverpool, but I'd say Manchester's probably a bit bigger in terms of seeing how this does affect businesses and employment. And if Manchester goes either really well or really badly, it will definitely shape government attitudes towards a national circuit breaker or any more focused lockdowns across the north. There are a couple of bullet points on on the BBC website that I'd I'd like to kind of share at this point in the podcast. So the number of UK deaths with COVID-19 on the certificate are up 38% in the last week. That is according to the Office of National Statistics. Meanwhile, in the Republic of Ireland, they are moving to a new, very high level of coronavirus restrictions with with lots of new kind of regulations being introduced in Dublin. France has also reported more than 2000 people in intensive care today. That is the first time the country has has reached those levels of kind of people in intensive care since May. This is a really bad picture across not only the United Kingdom, but lots of parts of Europe as well. One of the things that actually caught me as very, very striking the other day, that was there was a chart basically, or, or rather a map, that showed kind of coronavirus per region in northwestern Europe. And it had lots and lots of red on the map and lots of orange on the map. Basically everywhere apart from Germany that is faring much, much better than kind of its neighbouring country. So that there's definitely things to think about there. But for me, the government has dealt with this situation on a political level, we'll get into the, the the more human level of this kind of after we play Andy Burnham's clip. But on a political level, this has been so, so short-sighted. I just feel like, and again, we, we don't know all the politics that's going on here behind closed doors. But when you had Andy Burnham on live TV learning that potentially the sum of money that Manchester was going to receive was, was 22 million. And you have that broadcast to a live global audience that is absolutely a horrible look it's it's awful to kind of see that and to see andy burnham's reaction to that because he looked genuinely devastated and very very angry and second of all how is that going to play across the country because there will be lots of people kind of myself included i'm i'm someone who can't claim to be of any major affinity to the north (laughs) but like there will be lots of people really angry with the way that the government's handled this because it looked so, so callous and so, so uncaring for, for a substantial amount of time. And the fact that the government has now U-turned on this doesn't particularly say much about the kind of initial judgment in the first place. So, yeah, there is just so much to talk about on this topic. I am kind of conscious of the fact that we're calling this a snap episode of Midfield Politics. So we should probably get moving on to the next and final clip of the show. This is... Um, from the Greater Manchester press briefing this afternoon, where Andy Burnham is talking about what funds would be needed in Greater Manchester. The government tabled £60 million because I said to you it wasn't enough to protect people from real hardship. I costed it. I costed it at £15 million a month. And to the end of the financial year, we thought that was going to need to be 90, but we brought that down in negotiations. I could not make it work on what the government was was offering and that was why the negotiations uh, uh, fell back but if the government put 60 million on the table i mean 
surely if they're, if they're taking that off again is this a game of poker are they playing poker with places and people's lives through a pandemic is that what this is about are they piling pressure on people to accept the lowest figure that they can get away with is that what this is about is that how they're running this country is this a government committed to leveling up this country that's what they told people in this city the people who drive those taxis who work in the pubs many of them who may have voted for them they said to them they would level up what we've seen today is a deliberate act of levelling down. Of course, since Andy Burnham made those comments, the, the terrain has moved and shifted slightly in terms of what the government is offering. Of course, now it, it, it appears that the government will be offering Greater Manchester £60 million as the baseline figure. But I think those words, as I said at the start of the show, are going to stick around in our politics for a very, very long time. The fact that Andy Burnham was was so clearly angry about the decision made by the by the Johnson administration really does stand out. And the fact that Burnham was talking about the government treating this as if it was a game and kind of talking about these negotiations in such a flippant way. And I, I, I try not to draw Brexit parallels at every opportunity because... I'm fully aware that the argument over Brexit is done. The United Kingdom is leaving the European Union, and that is the end of the matter. However, the way in which the government has handled the negotiations with Manchester is just so, so uncannily similar to what has gone on with the negotiations with Michel Barnier, because you have a situation where the government has set out kind of the red lines, and again, this this was infamous under Theresa May. These red lines, we're, we're not going to give you this. We need this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the other side has said, well, OK, they're your red lines. These are our red lines. We'll probably meet somewhere in the middle. And again, Andy Burnham, in, in the comments we've just heard, he said that initially they costed what Manchester needed as at around £90 million to, to, get the, to get the region through until the next calendar year. And Burnham, according to reports, was willing to accept £65 million. That was, that was as low as Burnham was willing to go in order to kind of give his blessing for tier three to, to be implemented. And obviously the government has offered 60 million. So the government has spent so much political capital for the sake of 5 million great British pounds. I'm gobsmacked. Mm. I honestly am gobsmacked by that, by that decision. Zach, what do you make of it? It's, it's baffling because... At one point, the government's economic policy was to to borrow a quote from a very distinguished journalist, spapping money up the wall. For example, as well, you have a chancellor who loves to um, to brand all of his economic policies on giving failing businesses money to paying for everyone's wages. And then when it comes to giving the people of Manchester some some sort of economic security, he's missing in action. It's quite um, a dramatic kind of metamorphosis that Rishi Sunak has gone on through as well that kind of where where is the government what why are they not communicating not just effectively but quite with their, for example with their chest why are they not saying this directly why are they waiting for backlashes why are they plucking money out of the air which is being ill spent on other initiatives and then you have a, ma a major city will be devastated economically if a tier three lockdown is mismanaged in the slightest, that the money's not going to be given. It, it's really confusing. It's really frustrating. And I think, as, as Andy Burnham put it very, very well, 
that this is poker. This is poker with people's lives. And that is going to stick across the entire country because it, Manchester will not be the first and it will not be the last region to that the government will negotiate with if it doesn't want to do a national circuit breaker. And my word, the government has started so terribly in how it negotiates and how it thinks of its people that I think many local leaders will be looking in, on in horror at this. Yeah, I think that is that is a huge, huge issue for the government. Because again, we've heard this kind of accusation that the kind of the UK's approach to, to the Brexit negotiations would undermine kind of the UK's credibility going forwards and that we had to stick to the deals that we made. We heard this about the internal market bill. But but this standoff is going to cause such kind of a heightened level of mistrust between local authorities, local government, kind of regional and city mayors, and central government, especially if, if kind of central government is asking them to implement measures that will that will potentially harm their constituents. It's just such a baffling situation to be in and again i i tweeted about this on the podcast account please do follow us at midfield politic on twitter i I tweeted about this the other day and it was also mentioned in the last episode of the podcast that devolution has overseen kind of an americanization of british politics we're seeing more and more kind of federal players coming into the system we're seeing the mayor of london have great powers we're seeing mayors in Manchester, in Liverpool, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, kind of growing in their influence. We're seeing kind of regions being represented to a fuller extent. And of course, in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, we're seeing those countries have their own devolved either assemblies or parliaments as well. That's important to note. And what we've seen from Andy Burnham over the past week, in my opinion, has been absolutely exemplary leadership. I honestly think he has done a tremendous job in representing the interests of his of his constituency uh, of his constituents, and I think the contrast between Burnham's handling of this and Boris Johnson's handling of this is so so stark. And again, Burnham spoke to reporters today completely off the fly. And again, this is somewhat cosmetic, but I think it's still quite an important point. Burnham spoke to reporters off the fly and was so articulate and so passionate about kind of the things he was talking about. Boris Johnson prepared a statement to be delivered from Downing Street and then took questions from members of the press. And kind of the levels in terms of the messaging were just worlds apart. And it is, it really is quite something. This says a lot about how much Andy Burnham is standing up for kind of local representation. I think that's something mm. that's important in our politics. Um, I think I should probably throw that over to you, Zach. What have you made of Burnham's leadership over the past couple of weeks i tweeted about this earlier actually i I responded to i think burnham's initial comments at the press conference that the future of the labor party is in very very good hands and so is the present if if keir starmer can kind of channel that energy through labor's veins if they can ooze opposition to the government in this sense i feel they're going to score a lot more political points and of course in a pandemic such as this full of hardship and and mortality you can't think about that that's very crass but at the same time i think if you are an opposition party this is the best time to be in opposition and like it or loathe it for the government there is there are more andy burnham's out there this is not they're not just negotiating with an andy burnham that the next locality they negotiate with will just take it lying down because they're not andy burnham he's kind of 
pave the way, I think, for other local leaders to deal with this government, to actually publicise their reaction rather than this kind of, and we see it a lot with the Conservative Party since they've been in government since 2010, even the way they came to power in 2010 has always been through backroom deals, whether it's with the Liberal Democrats or with, you know, Theresa May alleged backroom deal with newspapers to publish the Andrea Letson story to her elevation of it. Boris Johnson, for example, a man that's premised on duplicity and and backroom negotiations. And I feel like the more the government gets put under this kind of spotlight, they kind of fall apart. And for a government that's a, a healthy majority government, this is really not good for them, that this kind of backlash is happening, kind of, it's kind of repeating itself, isn't it, from I think you said about Liverpool and Thatcher, that Johnson and Manchester might be the next kind of big dichotomy, the big kind of divide. So, yeah, going back to the original thing about Andy Burnham's leadership in general, I think it's just been exemplary. It should be how any local leader and any leader themselves should conduct themselves. And it's such a refreshing thing to see someone like Andy Burnham kind of lead with his heart rather than lead by his advisors and what the polls are saying and I think he will fare very well out of this both personally and politically and once again I think Boris Johnson is going to be on the receiving end of quite irritable Tory MPs in Manchester in the north and quite an irritable backroom staff if we wanted to make a uh, link to football there. Labour's shadow chancellor Jonathan Ashworth said people across Greater Manchester will be watching the news in disbelief. He says they will be asking, why was it right to cover 80% of wages in March? And then now, in the run-up to Christmas, cover just two-thirds of their wages in October. How does he expect families to pay the bills, to pay the rent, to put food on the table and pay for school lunches when a third of their income has been snatched away literally overnight? Um, Jonathan Ashworth added, now, I grew up in Greater Manchester. My dad worked in casinos in Salford. My mum worked in bars in Manchester. I know that across Manchester, people want to do the right thing, but they won't be able to if a third of their income is stripped away. Now, the leaders of Greater Manchester were prepared to compromise. They offered to settle for £65 million to support jobs and livelihoods. The government insisted on £60 million, but rather than finding £5 million extra, the Prime Minister pulled the plug on negotiations and then this afternoon took £38 million off the table. What a petty, vindictive, callous response in a national crisis. They are absolutely searing words from Jonathan Ashworth. Zach, your immediate response to that? I think he's got it spot on. I think to withdraw it in that manner, in, in a public manner as well, is just pretty callous. It's pretty thoughtless. It's pretty reckless. It's every negative superlative you could probably think of that's how bad it is and i think again it's just in bad faith and it's this economic problem that's not going to go away like there's there's going to be more manchesters out there because if the government wants to keep to a tier system they're going to have to acknowledge that they are going to have to lock down a lot of areas and if there was to be a national circuit break lockdown for example it's going to ask a huge economic question ahead of Christmas where do you keep at the 80% or do you go for 66 or below? And that kind of response, I think, will shape not just the Conservatives kind of their 
the government's kind of response to this virus, but actually their response going forward. And it's kind of speaking volumes already that if Boris Johnson can't lead a government into this levelling up agenda in just merely 80% of wages, then I don't really know how voters, for example, voters in the Red War are going to expect their areas to be much better off over the next five years. So it's again, it's it's asking way too many more questions than it's answering, and I find that really interesting and quite telling, actually. Here's another quote that I just wanted to read out before we move on to the final part of the show. Andy Preston, who is the independent mayor of Middlesbrough, was speaking on BBC Radio 4 earlier today and said that the city risk being put into tier three on the basis of flawed data. He said they don't have the local knowledge that we have, so I'm terrified terrified to know that conversations are going on in number 10 about putting Middlesbrough into tier three with bad data and based on inferences and still no conversations. So I'm wholly dispirited. He added, we need a lot of money. We are facing monstrous problems here and the government seems oblivious. I need to be talking to ministers and explaining the number of free school meals. Kids here is ballooning and the job losses are just started. We're hitting a catastrophe of poverty and deprivation and we need serious money and serious commitment from the government to deal with it. Again, this is a theme that we're seeing across local government kind of this evening that there was a statement from from the council in West Yorkshire that said that, well, there's no basis for us to move into tier three at the moment. And again, there's kind of consensus on that point with scientific and medical advisors in the government. So, yeah, this is such an unbelievable situation to be in. It's, of course, part of the reason why we decided to record the podcast at this point in time. For a snap podcast, as, as I've kind of christened it at this point, um, we've now been going for over half an hour, so we should probably bring this to a close. Zach, of course, it's, it's impossible to predict what comes next, but I'm going <laughs> to ask us to do so anyway. Over the next week, how do you see this unfolding for the government? I feel the government will make the inevitable compromise. that They'll either have to give a bit more than 60. I think they'll probably go to 62, maybe 63 or perhaps with every U-turn this government's made this year, probably they'll end up going to the 65, but structure it in a way where it they look like they've got a win by giving them 60 initially. And going beyond that, maybe next week throws up more problems with, of course, the increasing infection rate and, and death count, that perhaps there may be more, more areas that are in this kind of predicament. Obviously, we hope that doesn't happen, but given the science and given the inevitability of this virus at the moment, I think there's going to be more regions that are going to have this very difficult negotiation and conversation. Yeah, I mean, this this is going to continue to roll on and and it's something we'll be talking about for, for the weeks to come. If I were to offer a prediction, and this isn't going to fill anyone with, with a lot of warmth, if I'm being totally honest, I honestly believe that we are heading for a national circuit break or fire break or, or whatever we want to call it, lockdown. Because, and let me explain why. Because a lot of the time the government has been following what's happened in Wales and in Scotland. And kind of that there's been accusations of this kind of going both ways. People have said of Nicola Sturgeon, well, Sturgeon just, just copies the government and, and adds a little bit on. There's never a huge difference. The issue I think the government has now is it's starting to look like they're being left behind by regional, in the case of Andy Burnham, but also kind of country or sub-national, however we want to term, kind of the assemblies in Scotland and Wales. 
like the leaders there. And I just feel like it's becoming somewhat of an untenable position to have a firebreaker lockdown in Wales, a kind of circuit breaker lockdown in Northern Ireland. And I would be amazed if nothing is introduced in Scotland in the coming days. I honestly feel like we're heading in the in the direction of something a little bit more substantive on a national level. And I think kind of with half term very much on the horizon, it wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if something happened quite imminently. That's kind of my view at this point. Of course, this isn't something that I I I know, but it's it's just it's just the feeling and the the reading of, of the government I have at the moment, given the previous record. Zach, do you have any final comments for the show? I'd like to say it's been a really good it's been a really good run out doing a, a snap podcast, and of course, there's going to be more hopefully to come. Definitely, yeah. Um, on that note, we've got a lot of stuff planned over the next couple of weeks. Of course, the, the US election is just around the corner, as is my birthday. I, I will accept any kind of <laughs> gifts you, you send my way. Um, but no, on that note, we're planning a big kind of podcast a week before the election and then daily shorter episodes on the run-up to November the 3rd. So that that's really exciting. We are looking forward to that. But of course, in the meantime, we will continue to be covering the situation in the UK as it unfolds. Until next time, and I'll be honest, I have absolutely no idea when that will be. Stay safe and keep voting.